This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the May 27th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to recap a great game last night for a change. We've had a lot of blowouts, but last night was amazing. And with me to do that, new guest. Really excited to have Sam Espandiari on. What's up, Sam? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Great, man. What's, uh, he was, Sam was at the game last night and had awesome seats. Uh, really jealous watching him live tweet it up. Sam's a great follow. His name is on Twitter as pronounced. Uh, I'll obviously tweet it out, too. Man, that must have been some atmosphere. Yeah, it was really good. Um, you know, there'd been all the noise about the games being bad and uh um or the atmosphere at oracle uh and honestly i think it's uh it's mostly the 6 6 p.m start but i think uh, the message got out last night um yeah everyone was i thought that the place was pretty much packed around five so yeah it was a great game it felt like uh it was probably the best playoff game i've been to this year in terms of atmosphere oh uh, it was great uh, i saw someone you got there pretty early you said you got there around what five or yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was through the doors basically at five. Nice. So, and that's Pacific time for you guys. So an hour before the game started, uh, and uh, I had saw someone say I want to I forget who it was saying that there was like a more nervous energy before the game because people were just worried about losing and it wasn't quite as hyped up during the pregame. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I can only speak for my section. I've I've had season tickets for a while, and everyone in my section's had them longer than me. Uh, one thing I'd noticed was people had been selling their season tickets. Uh, I mean, the tickets are going for whatever. Uh, this time, you had all the, the season ticket holders there, all like the OG fans, and they were all they were all pretty confident in the team in my area. But in general, yeah, I think there was kind of a I don't know, kind of until until we saw the Warriors take a lead, it was kind of like, okay, is this is this it? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, to kick kick butt all season the way they did, and then you know put them like game one loss off the bat really threw threw you guys for a loop, I guess. Yeah, um, the game actually reminded me of the first Warriors Thunder game, the one uh, not the uh, the famous Steph Curry shot in OKC, uh-huh. but the. Um, the other two, they played at Oracle, where it was they, they just couldn't get separation from each other. It was a pretty back and forth game, uh, a little more reliant on defense. Steph really, uh, really didn't have you know all the step backs and everything going. It was a lot more methodical. Yeah, I mean, only, only you, most players three threes in a game is pretty good, but for Steph, it's nothing. So let's talk about Steph first with the game, uh, his best game of the series: thirty-one points, six assists. Uh, seven boards too. Five, the five steals were big. That was a big topic after the game. Uh, five turnovers. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty funny. Like he averages five five and a half rebounds a game, but 
he never quite gets the credit for being the all-around player. Not not to say he's anywhere near the force <laughs> Russell Westbrook is, but you know, I mean, I think he's second or third best rebounding point guard. So he's not he's not just some some slaps sitting on the perimeter. Yeah, for sure. So what'd you make of Curry? I, the, the stat that I had was he had eight shots at the rim. He, he made a really extra effort to sort of get at the basket. I thought that was kind of helped get him going and uh, really help him kind of create space to get, to make him respect the two so he can get a little bit free for three. Yeah. So um, he looked like himself in that regard. Um, I, what had been so frustrating this series is he's, he finishes really well around the rim. You know, he just got, he's just got that unreal touch on the floaters and everything. And it just had not been going the other games, I think it was Tom Haberstraw on ESPN put out a video basically saying like the Warriors are missing shots they make all year. Uh, and it, I just didn't know what to make of it. I, I personally thought OKC's defense uh, was a chief reason for that. I mean, there's, there's no longer team. So maybe Steph just adjusted. Maybe he kind of, you know, after going at Adams and Ibaka and those guys for four games before that he's he got his timing down on you know where he needs to put the ball a little better um that was my thought on it he just looked he looked like himself he looked like the the guy I'd seen all season in terms of finishing like I'm going inside and you know finding the right angle to get it off the glass that sort of stuff yeah definitely yeah he was 66 percent at the rim league average is 60 so a guy his size being that effective around the rim is just crazy um but yeah like you said and OKC was they were on the pick and roll stuff they kept hedging so high I thought to cut down the threes and it felt like it felt like Steve Kerr had some say in that saying like all right hey your threes aren't quite going to be there working inside a little bit, and then maybe that'll help you down the line. Maybe more in game six, too. Yeah, my initial um, my initial thought, because such a big part of Steph's game is that off-the-dribble three, it, it's pretty much the basis for the Warriors' entire offense, <laughs> you know? If he's not hitting it, it's because they're sending two defenders, and that opens the four on threes. Um but then after I was watching, uh, he was he was doing too good a job moving in other ways to really say it's a physical limitation. It it just dawned on me they're basically guarding him similar to the same way uh, the Spurs did. You remember how the Spurs just kind of sold out, hedging hard, like you're going to beat us inside if you're going to beat us. Yeah. Um, the the main difference being the Spurs bigs are slow. So when Steph figured that out versus the Spurs, I think I think he scored thirty seven points while making like two or three threes in like the second in like the last game they played the Spurs because basically once he got inside he's going to beat Duncan Aldridge whoever in a foot race uh-huh. that's less of that's harder to do versus OKC obviously who has significantly more athletic and okay. better defending big men so i think you got to give the the thunder a lot of credit using using their length and really um just basically taking away the three, which is such a huge part of Steph's game. And really, um, I thought going into this game, he had to get going from behind the line because it kind of energizes the whole team. I mean, you've seen it all year. Once he hits two or three, all of a sudden they're playing with ridiculous confidence. Yeah, he had that one little run in the third quarter when it's like, oh, here he is, he's back. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then, like you said, um, that whole o- the OKC bigs. I mean, you usually see when the center is caught in an island with Steph, you're going on a highlight. 
Um, but Steven Adams was, he was, he's been really good. He's not, a lot of guys just get aggressive, but like, oh, I have these long arms and your the ball is right in front of me. I should reach for it. But yeah, it's, they, it's, they um, didn't, it didn't ha- has been happening for them. It's crazy how smart a defender he is considering he's, what is he 23? Something like that. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's really, he's really young. And if I remember correctly, he's pretty late to the game too. Yeah. Uh, so just his his general discipline and, and overall defensive IQ, I, I find so impressive. Obviously, he's he's got some great physical gifts, but just kind of his transformation from you know just a, an athlete two years ago to like a very high IQ defender has been pretty amazing. Do you credit Billy Donovan at all? I mean, he's kind of been the darling of this. Besides, I guess Adams himself, Waiters. Um, Bismack Biombo. I mean, Donovan's probably one of the darlings of the playoffs right now. He's really made some terrific adjustments. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Oh, he definitely has. In terms of Adams' growth, I, I don't know. They were doing that stuff under Brooks. Like, in general, organizations probably don't get enough credit. Like, OKC's, it turns out, um, as good a development program as any team in the league. You know, how many guys have come in there or like this guy can't play and then you know two years later he looks like a max player yeah definitely uh so let's let's talk uh i know you want to talk about draymond so why why don't you kick off what draymond what you saw differently from what he did last night compared to obviously game three and four is way different but even one and two yeah okay so the big reason i wanted the warriors to play the spurs was i thought the thunder were their worst matchup. Uh, they did beat them three times in the regular season. One of those was an absolute miracle game from Steph. The other two, I mean, they went down to the last couple minutes. There was there was nothing that suggested that the Warriors had the the Thunder figured out. They just they just execute a little better down the end. Um, so from that regard, and the big reason I felt that way was because of Draymond. Draymond's really. It's it's hard to say who the offense revolves. Well, no, the offense revolves around Steph, but Draymond's really kind of the piece which makes everything else go. You know, Definitely. so the Thunder the Thunder were the first team that figured out you got to guard him with a wing. He he's always he's used to playing against bigs. He beats him with quickness, um, but wings wings with length. Uh, that's essentially what he is, right? I yeah, mean, he's. Definitely. He's he's a wing who can play up. So guarding him with a guy who he doesn't have a foot speed or a length advantage off of is problematic. I think he averaged eight points a game in the regular season versus them. So it was always going to be a problem. So what I saw from him this game was almost reverting back to the Draymond of last year, who was a little bit safer of a player, uh, didn't try to do too much on offense, was really more of kind of a fill-in-the-gaps type, it's sort of like what Andre Godala does, um, instead of trying to be that, like, yeah, I don't know, like Magic Johnson type player who's averaging, you know, like 18, 10, and 10 through the playoffs up to this point or whatever crazy numbers he was putting up. And I really think that's kind of how he has to play this whole series because if if I was to point to one thing that the Thunder were killing the Warriors on, it was it was forcing turnovers. You, know, you can't stop the Thunder in transition, and Draymond and Steph were the chief reasons for that. Yeah, so. yeah and uh, I thought he wasn't forcing as much. I, I thought he had a lot of forced, not even like mid-range shots, but like his five, six-footers. I thought he, those were just a little out of his element, but he was pretty much just putting his head down. All, all eight two-pointers were within three feet. Loved that. 
Um, and then what do you think about him shifting? Because he only played um, up until well, the the, um, the Warriors went small for the last two minutes to defend the three. But before that, Draymond only played one minute at center. So do you think that helped get him going a little bit, look more comfortable? Well, I think they have to do that versus Thunder. A big part of the Warriors' success has basically been um, their success in the regular season versus the Thunder was they kept Russell Westbrook away from the rim. And a lot of that was the combination of Draymond and a center. So as the defense goes there, I think their offense goes. Um, I'm looking at right now, Russ was one of six at the rim last night. I also looked at the numbers in the regular season. Uh, I think he shot 57% at the rim versus the league, but under 47% versus the Warriors in the three matchups. So that was a big reason why they had success versus the Thunder in the regular season, their ability to um, their, uh, Draymond's ability specifically to kind of guide Russ into misses or block his shot or generally um, stymie the pick and roll in the isolation. And then the big story coming in from the OKC side was this OKC small ball basically doing everything better than the death lineup did. They were running like a, a 130 pace. I think they had like a 99 net rating, but they dropped that down to a 99 pace and last night in 10 minutes, uh, minus 19 net rating. So the, the Warriors handled that lineup terrifically well, uh, and they needed to. <laughs> yeah, the, th- the thing I noticed um, was – so. Warrior fans and kind of pundits were basically calling, you know, why is Steph playing off ball so much? They need to go to the high pick and roll, you know, the bread and butter when things aren't falling apart. And Kerr actually went opposite of that, in my opinion. They went, they went, um, some triangle sets, a lot of kind of the motion offense. I think they were really looking to bleed the clock, um, in a sense, slow it down. (laughs) <laughs> which is weird yeah. for the Warriors to say, but I think they finally realized they met their match in terms of a team that can beat them in the open court. Yeah, the, their length is, like they, like you said, that's that's their pet play, the high pick and roll with Draymond and Steph, and they shut that down I mean, as, as much as you could shut it down, and it's crazy. You would think you'd want to rely more on that to get your team going, but like you said, they ran a lot of different stuff, and playing Curry off the ball, getting him more on an island more often to create on his own shot, I thought that was big. Yeah, definitely. And um, and it only worked. I think Kerr probably was trying to do that the last few games um, with all the off-ball stuff and the motion sets. Uh, the Warriors just weren't executing. They were turning it over. I mean, you know, it can it, it makes sense when it's working. It looked awful in OKC when it wasn't. And then you're just wondering why they're not going to the pick and roll. Okay, so let's talk about, I guess, what was the, the big takeaway, I thought, was more Andrew Bogut, less of your boy, Harry B. Uh, <laughs> Sam is the king of the Harry B. Twitter, you guys. So, so uh, definitely trust him with whatever he says. So I thought that was a big call. Um, on, on the pod, I pretty much say, dude, take Harry Barnes out. He can't be playing this much. He's making so many mistakes on switches. Yada, I mean, you know, yeah, and it's not deal, even – I think a lot of – I think it it can look like – you know, you, you don't like Barnes or I hate Barnes, but really what it comes down to is Andre Iguodala is a better player. Yes. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a finals MVP. He's an Olympian. He's one of the best defenders of the last decade. There's no shame in saying he's better than Barnes. Yeah. And uh, one of my issues with Kerr up to this game was uh, Iguodala wasn't even averaging 30 minutes a game. You know, he, it, it 
I get Barnes was shooting well and he was doing everything well, but they just they needed everything Iguodala does. You know, their best defensive lineup involves Bogut, Iguodala, and Draymond. You know, they they get their hands on everything. They they re- they rarely make any sort of positional mistakes or any sort of uh, schematic errors. Yeah. So and then with Bogut with the playoff. A career playoff high, 15, had 14 boards, two blocks, two steals in 30 minutes. Do you think some of that was because Adam's gotten, what, five minutes he got into foul trouble. So do you think that, and they kind of kind of got back together after that. But do you think Adam's early foul trouble kind of got Bogut going a little bit? It's hard to say. Um, Bogut's, I'm love-hate with him because he's obviously a good player, but you saw how he looked in the 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 in games really one through oh four, God, right? Yeah, he played two minutes in the last two. He was slow. Tired. He was, you know, you know what I you know what I saw that I loved that he did this game was he actually rolled hard to the rim. Yeah, and and then it just reminded me uh, how frustrated I get that he doesn't do that all the time. Like I don't really get why he doesn't, but such as who he is. Either way, yeah, he was a huge part in turning that game. Um, He's obviously capable. Um, I do think Adams going out probably helped him a little bit. Adams has been a thorn in his side all season. Um, a big thing with Bogut I've noticed over the years is uh, a big part. He he either beats you with he beats you with with size more than quickness. So if you have a big who's as big as him but quicker, it's a problem, and that's mm-hmm. Adams. Yeah. Uh, maybe he figured something out last night, or I don't know. Maybe Adams had a bad game. It's hard to say, but Bogut was absolutely a, a big reason they were able to turn yeah. it around. At the end of the like, he's playing about five minutes per first quarter in the first four. He went to about nine, and you could see it once Adams went out, the pace picked up, and you could just see Bogut dragging behind come, <laughs> coming down the court. You're like, come on, you get. Th-. But then they pulled him out, and he got going. He never really looked tired after that, besides that little two minute four. For, um, first quarter period without Adams. So, yeah, and actually, if they're gonna if they're gonna slow it down versus OKC, Bogut's Bogut's probably what they need. One, he can't keep up with the frenetic pace that the small ball lineup wants to play anyway. I mean, he's gonna naturally slow it down because he's slow. Yeah. Uh, two, they throw it into him a lot while he's posting up. He's pretty sure handed. He's a pretty smart decision maker, and it's kind of a way to bleed the clock a little bit and not get those early shots that were kind of killing them. Earlier in the series, um, you know, that just led to Westbrook one-man fast breaks. Yeah. Okay, so one other quick, a uh, couple quick stats. I know after the game, uh, the whole big talk was when Westbrook was kind of chuckling and KD was <laughs> about Stephen Curry's defense when Michelle Steele from ESPN asked the question if Curry's an underrated defender. And ESPN had a really good stat uh, on the Curry-Westbrook. Westbrook's 8-25 on contest by staff, 7 turnovers, so he's only 0.7 points per play. He's not good. And then the others, he's 0.9, I'm sorry, 0.97 points per play uh, on that. Um, so wh- wh- what's your take on Curry as a quote-unquote under... I mean, he's a good team defender, but obviously one-on-one, he's not great. But hey, who cares if you're a good team defender? It's, it's a 5-on-5 sport, right? Yeah, I mean that's what it is. He's a good he's a good team defender. Uh, I think the thing that people don't realize is he moves his feet laterally really well. It's kind of the same thing 
that people didn't realize about Clay Thompson initially when he came out. I mean, everyone recognizes he's a good defender now, mm-hmm. but you know, in general, shooters aren't thought of as athletic. Yeah, just because he's small. I know what I want to say. Like three years ago, people used to post up on him all the time. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what maybe that's what Russ needs to do because I mean, if Steph does have one weakness defensively, I mean, he has more than one, but the main <laughs> one is he's just he's never going to contest the peak of a shot well because he's not long. Yeah. The thing is. The Warriors' whole defense is predicated on forcing Russ to take jumpers. So, in my opinion, a lot more of that fell on Draymond and Bogut staying out of foul trouble and being smart. Um, they gave they gave Russ that mid range jumper all game, and you'll live with the results of that. For sure, he's not gonna he's not he'll make some, um, yeah. but he's not gonna put your whole back line in foul trouble, which is really what he was doing. Um, games. Well, in game one, that was a big reason that they were able to turn it around, and then obviously three and four. Yeah, so a couple, so. Players, <laughs> a couple players we didn't hit on yet. Uh, Mo Buckets, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what a 47 usage rate, 20, uh, uh, I think like 60 or 76 true shooting. Man, the guy was just getting buckets. Um, any any takeaway? Just, that's just him. I mean, there's really no takeaway. No, that's just what he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he pretty much gets, he gets about three minutes. If he's feeling it, Kerr will let him keep going. Yep. If he's not, he comes out. He's the world's largest heat check player. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't talk about, we touched on Egadal. Again, we pretty much know the deal with him. The eight assists were, were big. Um, and then we didn't talk about Clay. What do you think of Clay last night? I thought Clay was good. I thought Clay's been, well, Clay was awful in game three specifically. That was probably his worst game of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He looked like he'd reverted a couple years back. He was taking all these off-balance shots, not setting his feet. I think he's kind of settled into this series. Uh, pretty happy with his shot selection and his defense. Um, yeah, I think actually the, the other reason I wanted Andre Iguodala in, everyone focuses on the defense, but when the Warriors have been, um, all the turnover issues were basically Draymond and Steph. Uh, probably more so Steph. Andre might be their most sure-handed decision maker, him or Livingston. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to commit KD onto Draymond, it does make sense to to put the ball in Iguodala's hands a little more and trust his his IQ and his his ability to make decisions. So I thought that was a huge thing that Kerr finally realized. Yeah, Draymond was forcing, I thought, way too much in three and four, making passes that weren't there, but I thought he dialed that back a little bit last night. Yeah, and I mean, we should credit OKC a little bit there, too. A lot of the passes that ended up being turnovers uh, probably end up being buckets or at least good shots versus other teams which aren't as long and, quite frankly, as quick as OKC. I mean, they just they shut down passing lanes yep. like uh, no one else. And then I guess switching to OKC pretty much covered everyone except for Durant had the 40-point game. Uh, played a lot more small forward versus the a lot of the four he was playing, and he's been great on defense. People don't seem to talk about that enough how great he's been there. So, anything from KD kind of catch you? I mean, there's not much. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, not much to say that he, to the Warriors <laughs> the Warriors have never been able to guard him. Um, Andre Iguodala, as great as he is, just can't get to the peak of his shot. And I mean, who can right? Yeah. He's he's a small forward version of prime Dirk Nowitzki to me, where. Unless he, I mean, you can, you can do some stuff with trying to get him off balance, but ultimately he's going to make it or he's going to miss it. That's why I keep focusing on Russ on Westbrook for the Warriors because turning him into a volume player, making him a shooter, has been 
why the Warriors uh, beat them six out of seven times the last two regular seasons. Um, even though KD had been averaging something like 35 points on over 50% versus them, you know, yeah. you just, it, it's the Warriors best chance to win this series is basically going to come down to forcing Russ to take jump shots. Yeah. And then people get caught up in the KD 12 or 31, which doesn't sound good, but he was 13 and 13 from the line, had three threes. That's 55 true shooting. You're fine with that. So. He was on. He was on fire for a part of the game. Yeah. He did, and he was forcing some shots at the end of it when they were, you know, when the game was basically over and, and it was hero ball. So the the twelve of thirty one was. I mean, it was it was probably something like you know twelve of twenty seven or something before was, those it was last. Pretty bad the whole shots. the whole way through, but yeah, he's had these big like uh, game four. He had a great third quarter stretch. He's been kept under wraps. I thought, except for like a couple outbursts. So credit the Warriors, I guess. Uh, anything else you want to add? I mean, Waiters got shut down last night. He was minus 18. He was, I think, plus 56 in games three and four and, and plus minus. But he was taken out of the picture with really slowing it down. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not very optimistic on game six. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, because they did, yeah, their, their win in OKC in the regular season was Steph's 46-point game. Mm-hmm. But any any reasonable person can say they should have lost that game and that just took like one of the great MVP type performances to win it. So I think short of Steph being the best player on the floor in game six, uh, I don't know how they're going to come out of there with a win because all, like you said, waiters was awful, but we have, we have pretty, pretty large data size, which suggests role players always play better at home. And considering how OKC's home court is, I wouldn't expect Waiters, Roberson, uh, Cantor, all these guys who are non-factors um, in Game Five to be non-factors in Game Six, uh, and that's you know without touching on Katie and Russ, who are yeah. going to be great no matter what. Do you think Cantor so. gets involved though? I don't. I don't think so. I think that they had it when he's out there. It seems like they're like, hey, he got, they got a target on his back, and they really attack him. So I, I, I mean, he's not going to be he's not going to be out there for heavy minutes, but. If he can go in there and give him a little instant offense when Russ and Katie sit, and to be clear, they're both sitting, what, six, seven minutes a game, so we're not talking about huge stretches. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, in in the past, when those guys have sat, that's when teams have made their big run versus OKC. So, um, yeah, I'm not expecting Cantor to do anything like what he did versus the Spurs, but my only point was... Uh, kind of the role players mm-hmm. uh, could be a bigger factor in game six. And, you know, for as well as the Warriors played, what did they end up winning by last night? I mean, uh, did they yeah. really ever get more than 10-point separation? The game never got out of hand. No, that, um, so I think it Steph's going to, as good as he was last night and kind of turn it around, it's going to take him or, you know, maybe Clay. Uh, taking it to another level because it's going to be a lot harder yeah, in OKC. Definitely has to be. It's all on Curry. Uh, yeah. So prediction: you, you got uh, you got OKC closing it out. Uh, I think it's it's a battle of head versus heart right now. Yeah. I, I don't want to go against the defending champs because I think they can respond, but. I yeah, I think OKC is going to close it out. I'm with you the same way, man. I mean, they've been so good for so long, but they just have. I mean, OKC has just 
their length has just been so huge at really slowing them down, except for like the couple little quick runs. Uh, it's, it pretty much comes down to who has the best run. I mean, there's going to be someone's going to have like an 18 to four run. And it's going to be the difference. So, yeah, it, it comes down to it comes down to who's the best who's the best player on the floor. Yeah, in true. none of the in none of the OKC victories could you say Steph was even the second best player on the floor. Both Russ and KD were better than him. Yeah. Um, so if he can dial it up and play like he's capable of, where he's got a shot. Um, it's it's that simple in my opinion. <laughs> you see Iguodala playing big minutes. I mean, we I I've been talking about this every podcast. Like, hey, play Iguodala at thirty eight, thirty nine minutes. Do you think that is? Gonna, I think they. Kind you of got, I mean, to. that's why that's why I keep calling him for the starting lineup. I, yeah. I get I get why he comes off the bench. I think it's almost impossible to get him up to the minutes range you need him in if he's coming off the bench. Yeah, like short of, an, short of a short of like a. Short of like in a you know subbed in at eleven minutes or something, yeah, exactly. uh, it's just difficult. And I I don't get why Kerr's so married. Like, is he really that worried that Barnes's confidence is going to be shattered if he goes to the bench? You know, I've I've even Popovich would move Manu into the starting lineup when series got serious. At least younger Manu when he was right. you know a difference maker, capable of playing thirty five minutes. Yeah. Exactly. I I mean I would roll with Iguodala for forty minutes. He does way too many things and settles the team down way too much to you know play with fire. I thought Kerr played with fire with the backups last night again. You know yep. the Warriors didn't get burned, but at one point, uh, at two points in the game, they went with lineups that didn't have Steph, Clay, or Dre, and. Yep. You know plus, what? Plus, if, he yeah, does that, if he does that rate. in OKC, that could be the game right there. It was it um it wasn't the case in game three or four because the starters got annihilated. But I mean I could totally see it. If he goes to the backup unit, the Thunder go on a you know 10, 10 nothing run in one minute and all of a sudden uh, you know, you're having to play from behind, which is not where you want to be. Yeah, that you mentioned that uh, Barbosa, Livingston, Barnes, Iggy, Spates lineup six minutes together last night plus thirty six net rating, so that that was big, man. Like that Mo, Mo buckets, uh, his his time out there was huge. It was. Um, I'm not sure I want my season <laughs> yeah. to be dependent on Mo Spates. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, he's. My favorite player. I mean, I don't know how he's just, he's he's just a fat guy who makes a lot of threes. Yeah. He's like he's like Bartolo, but on a basketball court. Exactly, he's, enjoy, <laughs> he's enjoyable. But if yeah. if they end up losing the season because they wanted to to see if Mo Spates has it going and had oh Steph God. and Clay on the bench, I'm not sure how you can uh, uh, not blame coaching. Yeah, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. Mm. All right, um, I know you got to run. Do you want to do you want to talk about the game tonight at all? Any any input or just want, we can get out of here too, which it's up, totally up to you. Uh, I mean, I, there's there's not much to say. Maybe Toronto wins. I cannot see them winning the series. Yeah. So it'd be cool to force a game seven. I mean, I think Toronto's done more than I expected and um, all that. But it's just an uninteresting series. Like short of LeBron, um, you know, getting injured, it's over. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that they got him figured out, man. I mean, they did so much more double teaming on Lowry and DeRozan, especially late in the shot clock. I thought that was a huge adjustment for Tyron Lue, um, and I think they're going to do it again. So I think the Cavs are kind of going to smash him, despite how they looked terrible in the last two games in Toronto. And all season they've um, looked, looked terrible in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the interesting thing with Cleveland is how they match up with the two West teams, but now yeah. is not really the time to talk about it. Yeah, we'll get to cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, and then one last thing I wanted to get to you with is I mentioned this on a previous pod that I'm doing like a 
not a fantasy league, but kind of just like a, a GM pretend we draft all the NBA players. It's pretty cool. Uh, Sam's team, I like Sam's team a lot. Uh, he, he had a steal with Eric Bledsoe in the second round. But he has uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Bledsoe, Chandler Parsons was a steal. Uh, Markeith Morris, who is he? You are the yeah. First I'm doubling down on crazy. That yeah. that, that front line's, goddamn, that front line's gonna give everyone fear. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see who else you got. Uh, what was it? you took somebody? Oh yeah, Norman Norm Powell. Powell. Yeah, yeah. I like that I don't know. man. My big takeaway from this is uh, some teams are stacked in the league because yeah. if you're doing a tr- truly egalitarian draft where everyone picks one player, you, you start realizing you're like, man, there's not a lot of talent on the board in the third or fourth round. Yeah. And then you realize, well, three Cavs players went in the first 35 picks. Four Warriors went in the first 40 picks. We had, five jazz, we think- we had like four Jazz players go in the first like 35, I want to say. Yeah, and, and when you start thinking about that, you start realizing you're like, wow, some of these teams, if you look at the NBA talent pool as just one thing, some of these teams are super stacked. And you look at other ones where you're like, do they got they got one player who's one of the hundred best players in the league? <laughs> yeah. You know, like like uh, let's just say uh, New Orleans. You know, Anthony Davis is great, and yeah. uh, Drew Blood, uh, Drew Holiday is a nice little player. But like beyond that, you're like, I don't really want any of these guys. Yeah, there's some, some questionable picks. I went I went with Westbrook and a bunch of youth. I have uh, Westbrook, Gary Harris. I love his perimeter defense. Tobias Harris, love the and I have Tobias Harris and Trey Lyles as my forwards. I like their spacing with Westbrook. And I like how they can switch a lot, and then I have Nurkic as my rim protector, so I'm pretty happy with my team. Yeah, your team's going to peak when Russell's athleticism goes away. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have a, a, my window is like two years from now, and it's only like two years, and it's yeah. done. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll find a replacement by then. Russ is a player I'm super curious about. Like right now, so just um, for reference, I picked OKC to win the title before the season started. Okay. And my logic was Russ and Katie are 27. History tells us for athletic perimeter players, that is their absolute peak. Um, science basically says 24 is your is the uh, athletic peak of, of uh, pro athletes. Um, and then 30 is probably the point when guys are probably at their smartest. So 27 being in the middle has always been kind of like that sweet spot when Jordan, Wade, LeBron, Kobe. You can go look it up. All these guys, their best individual years were at 27. So I kind of figured that um, I thought this would be the Thunder's year because, I mean, those are two top five players. KD might be top 25 player all time already. I, I think so. he's second. Him and Jordan are one and, one A, one B for best isolation players ever. Yeah, like, I mean. KD and I, ISO is insane. I just don't know how you guard him. So that was so, – but Russ is going to be an interesting one when he ages. I don't yeah. know how he's going to age because yeah, he's showing no signs that he's human right now. But yeah. at some, maybe one day? I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, have, yeah. I do my um, my fantasy rankings for Dynasty, and I had him a little bit lower than most people thought, and that was my reasoning. But like, what happens when he loses? Is he? But the question is, will he ever lose it? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I like to think the closest athletic comp to him is Dwayne Wade. Uh, they're different, but I mean, you remember how explosive young Wade was, yeah. and he's still a nice player. But I mean, uh, I don't think Wade at thirty four is better than. Kobe or pick a guard who has a more reliable outside game. Yeah, well, his knees. I mean, what Westbrook too has that meniscus injury. It's going to be crazy. I mean, it's it's hard to believe. I mean, I think I think Westbrook, as far as getting the rim, uh, he's better than Wade really ever was. Like right now, he's just especially in transition. Like the guy's just ridiculous. 
Do you really think so? I'm thinking yeah. I, Prime Wade. I, I mean, I'm talking like before Wait. LeBron came. Yeah, to. like half court, half court set slashing on the wing. That was kind of his go to play. Like definitely that. That part of his game is similar to West, but. I just mean like open floor Westbrook. Is... Yeah, that that's true. I mean, I don't think anyone matches yeah. him in the open floor. Maybe a a younger LeBron, but that's like a six nine guy. Yeah, so. definitely. Cool, man. So we're out of here on that. This was a blast, man. Love getting uh, some some new blood on the pod. This is great, guy. Definitely would love to have you back on again. Yeah, that was fun. Let's yeah, do it sometime. Cool, so thanks a lot. Um, definitely follow Samus Fondiari on Twitter. I'll drop the link, guys. Uh, all-time Warriors. A lot of good stuff on his Twitter. Uh, and you do stuff for Warriors World too, right? Uh, not so much anymore, but okay. every now and then I still, I, I still rep it. They were good to me. That's a great blog. You should check it out. Nice. Yeah. Cool, man. So we're out of here. You guys enjoy the game tonight and get ready for Game 6 on Saturday. All right. All right thanks, This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.